What is up guys, Combat Addict here. Welcome to another edition of the Combat Review. The MMA podcast for the layman. <laughs> for the regular guy who knows some stuff about the UFC, but not all the stuff. Is it possible to know all the stuff about the UFC? I don't know. A lot of stuff we know. Not all the stuff, but a lot of it. Um, lots of stuff to talk about today. I mean, not a lot of stuff. This will probably be a 30-minute. We're probably going to hit a 3-0 on this one, guys. I'm confident it's going to be a 3-0. But, uh, yeah, we had UFC Fight Night, Fight Night uh, Morales versus Sandhagen. Or Morais, sorry. Not Morales. Morais versus Sandhagen. And, uh... It was pretty damn good. I'm not even going to lie. There were some pretty badass finishes in this fight. And actually, the most famous finish by Joaquin Buckley happened. And you know what? Just because I know that you guys are going to want to see this, I will show you this finish. I'm going to find this finish on YouTube and give you an opportunity to see this amazing feat of athleticism. Are you ready? And his soul leaves his body. That was incredible. People are saying that that's the best, the, the the greatest knockout of all time. I don't know if we can say that that's the greatest knockout of all time. Um, I mean, right away, let's just be straight. The Edson Barboza spinning wheel kick knockout. That was pretty damn good. And even Jorge Masvidal's flying knee. That was the fastest knockout, and it was a flying knee. I mean, it was the most hardcore knockout we've ever seen. Um... So there's that. And not to mention, it wasn't even the only spinning kick knockout of the night. We'll get to that later. We'll get to what Sandhagen did. But I just want to say, to say that's the greatest knockout of all time, I mean, that is bold. But what I will say is, it's the most impressive knockout I think that Buckley's ever going to get. That has got to be the highlight for him, for sure. And there are a couple reasons that I think this. First off, if you've seen Buckley fight, I mean, his last fight against, oh my god, Trevin Giles, was it? I believe that's his name. Um, The last fight he had, it was clear that he was actually just sort of like a reskinned Mike Tyson more than anything else. He was really just throwing hooks to the body and, 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 and to the head. Not even looking half the time at what he was doing. I mean, you can tell he was really, really green. Um, so he's really not the kind of guy you expect to throw insane kicks. I mean, this knockout is not indicative of his style at all. That's the truth. The truth is, the fact that he's the one who got this knockout is shocking because... 
this is definitely not how he ever envisioned knocking somebody out. <laughs> or how I ever envisioned him knocking anyone out. Which is kind of sad, because I'm taking in right now that this is probably going to be, like, the moment of his career. Like, I don't see, unless he changes, unless he develops, which I've seen him sort of, he's developed from the last fight he had. He's been using more leg kicks and stuff. So, unless he really takes to the, to the martial arts, you know, separate and aside from boxing... I don't I don't see him getting a knockout like this again. If he if he fights similar to like his his fight before this last one that he just had against Trevin Giles. But he has gotten better and I mean it's really it's been like not even a month and he's already gotten better. So who knows? I I mean I hope I'm wrong. I hope the guy doesn't just try to be Mike Tyson in the octagon. He didn't necessarily do that on Saturday night when he fought. So that's a good sign. But I, I just don't, based on the way he's he was fighting, I just don't see something like this happening again. That being said though, this is one of those knockouts where you're in the flow state completely and you're just looking for opportunities to attack. This move was not premeditated, was not planned, Probably had never even been done before in training, I bet you. I bet you he'd never even done this in training. I bet you he just thought to himself, or maybe he had done it before in training, but he just thought to himself, okay, here's an opening. He's got my foot. I'm going to jump and kick. This is like one of those flow state knockouts that you just can't plan. And I think that that's why it's so damn impressive. It's different when... Cody No Love Garbrandt knocks out Rafael Asuncao by baiting him to throw a punch at his face on a low level so he can come up high and knock him out with a right hook. That's one thing. But this is that's like a setup. That's like a setup. This was a reactionary knockout that looked like something out of a goddamn kung fu movie. I mean, it was insane. This is not something that you plan. And I think that's why it was so epic. I, I believe that everyone was freaking out about this because of the spontaneity and the creativity of that move. That's something that you that you do when you're doing visualizations. That's something that you think about when you're having a fantasy about your UFC debut, right? This guy actually did it in real life. It's insane. It was so clean the way he did it too. So crisp. And the smack when he landed it was so nice. But that wasn't even the most, like honestly in my personal opinion, that wasn't even like the only knockout that had my jaw drop. The very next fight with Chris Dawkins. I mean that guy is a murderer, man. Oh my god. His finishing instincts are like nothing I've ever seen. That's not necessarily true. That's very Joe Rogan of me to immediately go to an absolute. But his finishing instincts are so damn good, it's scary. I'm, I wonder if I can find... I wonder if I can find... I wonder if I can find him beating the living crap out of this guy. I think I can. Let's take a look at the tail of the 
Oh my god, I found it. You've got to be kidding me. Okay, take a look at this. I, I, I watched this over and over again. Because I just thought to myself, this is... There's a level of intelligence to this that I don't think people really appreciate. Okay. It's really smart. Okay, so... Nascimento went oh, down in slow motion. What an elbow! Oh, bringing he's his elbowing feet him, and right? He's he stands him. up. Usually people just fall That's back into the guard, but he clears the legs. He clears the legs. Usually people, and I'm seeing this so much and it annoys the hell out of me. They stand up, stack, and fall back into the guard to try and throw a shot into somebody's guard. Which I think is so dumb. Like, you should be trying to clear the Spin legs. He is nailing him. This guy doesn't That's only clear the legs, but he loads up his hips in the direction that he's clearing the legs. So he's throwing the legs to the left and loading up his left side, using that momentum to counter and create force by jumping, leaping into his opponent's face on the ground. So... So he's, first off, he's definitely cleared the legs because he's he's not only gotten them out of the way to the side, but he's almost used them as a pendulum to pull himself into his opponent. Lands a punch, lands a left hand off of this, starts elbowing him. Now, this guy's trying to base out. He, he, he doesn't even think about this. Instinctively, he grabs the back of his neck. This is the smartest thing to do. Because if you grab somebody's neck like this while they're bent over, they've got no posture. They can go absolutely nowhere, right? You've got them You've got them dead to rights. You're not in danger at all. So he's got his right hand on the back of this guy's neck, and he's trying to feed him punches from the bottom. However, he gets his posture back. He gets his posture back, and immediately he does the right thing, in my opinion. Instead of continuing with the left hand, he switches back. He switches hands. And starts trying to connect with the right hand. His opponent tries to circle away. And he catches them on the way out with a left hand. Knocks him out. This whole sequence happens in like two seconds. And that's why I'm saying his finishing instincts are really good. Because people, lots of people miss shots. Look at how much, okay, it takes. One, two, three, four, five, six seconds. In six seconds, that finish, in my opinion, started from the leg drag. In six seconds, he put this guy out of commission. That takes serious fight intelligence because there are so many people who have, they have somebody hurt and they can't finish the job. They miss strikes. They stutter. They make awkward decisions. They don't put themselves in dominant positions where they can like exact blows to the, to the most effective degree. And, um, yeah, man, that guy did it. That guy, that, that guy did it. Chris Dawkins. That was a really impressive finish in my personal opinion. That was like. The dude is not just powerful. He 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 knows where the vulnerabilities of his opponents are. And um keep an eye on him, man. Keep an eye on him. Him and his brother, uh, I believe that they're actually I believe they're fairly good on the ground too. Like they're I think they're jujitsu is as well. But uh 
yeah man i was impressed with that for sure um of course we had the upset where um zalal oh that was oh that was like oh, that was just embarrassing i gotta i don't know yeah let's, let's not even talk that was just embarrassing we had the upset where Zalal was beaten by Ilya Topuria. Um, everybody's been pretty high on Zalal, and I'm pretty sure Zalal was the favorite for that fight, but it's clear that his ground game needs work. That's where he lost the fight, I think. And it was interesting that Zalal was trying to take people down. He's trying to take Ilya down. And, and it made no sense to me because I, I believe that Zalal's thing is his striking... So I didn't know why he was trying to do that. Tom Aspinall is another guy you guys need to keep your eye on. I knew before this fight even started that this guy was the real deal. This guy's for real. Um, his win wasn't that impressive in that his opponent just sort of shelled up. So it wasn't like he won based on accuracy of strikes or something like that or like extreme power. He just sort of overwhelmed his opponent. So I think, and I don't even think he was, he was happy with his win because he shook his head at the end of that fight. And I think that's why, uh, damn, I should have watched his post-fight interview. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he just sort of felt like he could have done better. Like just in some guys, you know, submitting to him or, or, or cowering to him just based on strikes. It's just not like a satisfying win. It's the kind of win that you get and you're like, well, he just kind of laid there. You know what I mean? Like not to say that there's something wrong with Tom or that Tom's not a good fighter, but to say that I don't think Tom wanted to win like that. I think Tom wanted to put him out and I I agree that would have been more satisfying. You know what I mean? To actually put the guy out instead of just pummeling his guard, right? Um guy named Dreechus Duplessis had his UFC debut and knocked out a veteran, Marcus Perez. That was pretty crazy. Dreechus Duplessis looked so damn nervous. I'm so serious. He he actually looked like he just he like he was not even scared to be in there, but just like, "Oh my god, I'm here in the UFC fighting somebody." I honestly felt bad for the guy. And then he comes up with this insane finish this insane left hand rocks marcus's world and he just puts him down so welcome to the ufc dresius and uh of course Corey sandhagen's performance was beautiful beautiful performance that spinning, that spinning kick, that spinning kick was just glorious. And it's funny that there was the second spinning, spinning head kick knockout of the night. Corey Sandhagen said that he had actually been practicing that month, that move in the midst of the pandemic when everything shut down in March. Uh, for two months, Denver was shut down completely, and he was saying that he uh was actually in the basement with his girlfriend practicing that head kick over and over and over again and he added it as a tool to his game um so to see him execute it in that fight 
uh, it, it reminds me sort of a junior junior Dos Santos knocking out uh, Mark Hunt or actually exactly like that really um, that top of the head man that's the sweet spot and he nailed it on a, on, on a shorter fighter so you know he nailed it on that on the little guy and I'm imagining that his, his girlfriend was holding the pads trying to simulate Marlon Moraes' height uh, so it's 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 definitely exciting to see him to see him hungry and actually trying to add tools to his to his arsenal and even more exciting in that when he fights because uh, I think he might fight Aljamain again because I think that Aljamain c- could beat Peter uh, Piotr Jan and if he does I mean that that grudge match between Corey Sandhagen and Aljamain Sterling that is an exciting fight for sure especially with the way that uh, they they both fight but well, we'll see what happens with Piotr I mean Piotr is, is the real deal and the boxing of Piotr may be, uh, may be a problem for Aljamain but to be honest I, I see that I see Aljamain I see Aljamain the black belt Sterling taking that fight to the ground if anything and finishing it there so to be straight with you I really don't see how Piotr is going to um, deal with that. I don't know what his ground credentials are like. That should be one of my prediction videos. I think I'm going to do a prediction video for that fight. Because I like both those fighters a lot. I've been watching Aljamain for years now. and He's really grown a lot. I mean, I, I, I was watching him way back in the day with that gold chain around his neck repping Jamaica. I, I, I'm Jamaican as well, so there is some affinity there for sure. But uh, Corey Sandhagen practiced that move for months and landed it. Proud of the guy. Um, let's talk about... Let's talk about um, what's going on with uh, Izzy and John Jones. Their beef is... Actually, let's not talk about what's going on with their beef per se. I mean, it's going back and forth. We've got instances of John Jones posting pictures of Israel Adesanya knocked out completely on the mat uh, years ago from his kickboxing career. We've got Israel Adesanya telling John Jones that you know his mother would be disappointed in him and, and bringing up references to him hiding from uh, USADA uh, uh, or the Nevada State Athletic Commission when they were doing drug tests testing under the the, the octagon uh, under the octagon like when they came to John Jones gym apparently John Jones found his way under the octagon and hid there for eight hours while they were waiting for him so that they could get some pee off of him so that they can test him uh, we got John Jones talking about slapping 10 people at the first anime convention that he that he goes to it's just it's just endless the ridiculousness between these two is not going to end anytime soon and if we're going to talk about who is going to win a fight between those two here's the truth about the situation Israel Adesanya is a better striker than John Jones he just is okay unless you want to argue that somebody who has had over a hundred bouts in combat sports is not as good as someone like John Jones, who has had what is it twenty? What, what is his record? Oh my God, John Jones! What is his record? Twenty-eight 
20... What is his record? Sorry, I gotta find this, because I, I, I should know this. Actually, I don't even know their records, like, fucking off the top of my head, but... 26 and 1. And that 1 isn't even really... Doesn't even really count, because that was a disqualification for a 12 to 6 elbow, one 12 to 6 elbow, I think, max two 12 to 6 elbow um, against Matt Hamill, Mark Hamill. Can't remember his name now. Hammer Hamill. Um, so John has had 27 professional fights. Izzy has had over 100. If we're going to talk about striking, Izzy wins. Izzy wins that fight every single time. Um, the problem is, John Jones is much bigger than Israel Adesanya. And Izzy does not have the wrestling that John does. That's the problem. I think that... I think that Izzy could beat John Jones. My 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 real thought is that I believe Israel Adesanya can beat John Jones. Um I just recognize that John Jones is a serious threat. John Jones has a reach like no other. Right? I think it's like a what what oh my god, what is his reach? Like 86 inches or something like that? John Jones reach. 74, 78? Hold on. John Jones' reach is a UFC best at 84. Yeah. He has got an 84.5 inch reach. Yeah, an 84.5 inch reach. So, with that reach... Israel is at a disadvantage just in terms of getting to John. Um, that being said, he's a problem on the feet. But while Izzy can handle that, that combined with the fact that John can wrestle is is a real is a real threat. Israel fought uh, a wrestler, a silver uh, Olympic silver medalist wrestler, and Yoel Romero. But Yoel Romero doesn't really use his wrestling in the way that someone like Kamaru Usman would. He's not the conventional wrestling kind of fighter. I believe that by the time Israel fights John, he'll win the fight irrespective of the wrestling. Because I don't think Israel is an idiot and he's even been like he's even said I never wanted to start fighting in MMA and be vulnerable anywhere and not know what I'm doing on the ground. He's already said that. And we've already seen him fight takedowns off from somebody like Derek Brunson. So it's like a, he was like a two-time division two All-American NCAA wrestler or something like that. I'm pretty sure Derek Brunson. High-level wrestler. By the time he fights John, I don't think the wrestling is going to be the difference. For that reason, I believe that Israel Adesanya could beat could be John Jones. Um, even if John took him down, I don't think he's going to be able to keep him there. 
and Israel is going to outstrike them. And they're the same height. So the, really, it's just a weight difference. If anything, Israel is going to be faster than John. And John has slowed, slowed down. Everyone has noticed that John has slowed down. Either that or the competition is getting stiffer. In any case, I don't believe that John is going to win that fight. I don't want John to win that fight because Israel Adesanya is, is my favorite fighter. I shouldn't let you guys know that. I should be an unbiased, unbiased bystander, but I'm not, unfortunately. I'm sorry. In any case, there's no reasoning that I can give that John Jones would win that is logical other than that he might be able to out-wrestle Israel Adesanya. And even then, Israel has got to have prepared for that. So logically, Israel wins. I don't believe he's going to outstrike Israel. He's a create. John is a creative striker. Don't get me wrong. He's a good striker, but he's not. He's not Israel Adesanya. Not even close. John got pieced up by by Daniel Cormier. Someone. He's got probably like a full foot over. <laughs> okay. You get somebody who's had like four times the fight experience as him, the same height as you in that cage, he's going to eat him. Israel will eat him. It's a good fight though. It's a fight that I would want to see, but Israel's got to do that when he's ready. And I understand that Israel's got to do that when he's ready. Um, and John Jones is young too. John Jones was a champion at 23. So John Jones now is like, what, 33? They're like almost the same age. This fight can happen two years from now and it will still be a good fight. The only thing I want to say is that John going to heavyweight, for him to come back down to 205, that's going to be really tough. That's going to be very hard. I don't know how he's going to make that work. And that weight at that weight advantage, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a strength advantage. That's the one thing that I will say. I feel like there's going to be a strength advantage for John Jones. And so if Izzy get like if Izzy gets taken down, man, he's got to get to his feet quick because John will be able to, barring that he's strong enough, he might be able to hold him there if he's not careful. But let's just hope that Israel is preparing the way that he should be. Let's just hope. Let's just hope that Izzy is preparing the way that he should be. Anyways, we got a... We got some here for you guys. For those of you who love Conor McGregor, Dana's got to fight for him. So we, we we went to ESPN. We got him his own date and everything he's been offered. Uh, the Dustin fight on January 23rd. Mm -hmm. And since then, he has come out and said he accepts that offer, but it has to be in 2020. Do you understand why? Why does Conor... No clue. Why is he saying he has to fight in 2020? I have no clue. So... It, so we don't know why 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 it has to be in 2020. I don't know anything. 
I offered him the date on January 23rd. That's it. All right. So uh, people are people are suggesting the reason that Conor McGregor wants to fight in 2020 is because in 2021 he's going to be fighting Manny Pacquiao and he's going to want to focus on that. The timing of the fight in 2020 is going to is going to in 2021 sorry is going to mess with that. That's the theory that some people have come up with. But honestly, you've got all of 2021 to fight. The smart thing to do maybe, you know, would be to fight probably not in the start of 2020 Manny Pacquiao. Maybe you'd fight a little bit later in the spring for Manny Pacquiao. I don't see why you couldn't fight at the start of 2020. And, you know, still turn around for, for Manny. I mean, he was already willing to fight in December, so I don't know why he doesn't want to fight in January. It's like one month later, but for some reason, that's like the limit. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I am not entirely sure what his beef with 2021 is. But uh, the people are going to get what they want. We don't have to wait until July to see Conor McGregor fight again. If you wanted to ask me why I think he wants to fight in 2020 and not 2021, I think it's because he doesn't want people to talk about him being inactive. I think that people are going to say you've had one fight. You had one fight in the last year. You know what I mean? Against Cowboy Donald, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You're inactive. You're not fighting. But to be honest, that doesn't make any sense because he's retired a bunch of times. He, he retired. So maybe that doesn't make any sense. I think that the UFC has to... like. In terms of the organization, the UFC has to put their foot down here. And I'm not saying that because I have a problem with Conor McGregor or that or that I want the UFC to win this power struggle. I'm just saying strategically, as an organization, they cannot be the the mammy here or the the Oh, wait a minute. Mammy is an offensive term, isn't it? I just realized that. Uh they cannot be the uh, the maid here, they cannot service their fighter, right? Like that. They can't have somebody calling the shots on an organization. Because the truth is, like, if Conor McGregor got everything that he wanted because he made a big fuss on social media, where does that leave the UFC? Conor McGregor created the illusion that he runs the UFC. If Conor McGregor gets the fight that he wants, when he wants, then that illusion becomes a reality. And that is something that Dana White and the UFC cannot afford. The UFC cannot ignore Conor McGregor or else he's going to fight outside of their promotion. So they've got a compromise. And I believe that compromise is January 23rd. 
I honestly don't think they want to give him a fight right now. I actually think that they're just pissed off and annoyed with him. And the only reason that they're even giving him a fight is because it'll make some money off of it. I think they're really, actually, really mad at him. But they got to give him something. So they're like, all right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to give him a fight, but it's not going to be in 2020. And we got to show the world or show the fighters that we have the power here. That's the move they've got to make. They, they can't allow him to uh, appear to be the most reasonable and the most powerful person in the room. If Conor McGregor does not fight on January 23rd, he's going to appear to be unreasonable. Now, I'm sure all of you can agree, we all want to see Conor McGregor, McGregor fight as soon as humanly possible, right? But, sometimes that isn't always possible. And Dana White has said, that's not how it works. We laid out this year, he was retired. Would anybody disagree he was retired? Through this crazy pandemic year we're going through, we faced a lot of challenges. There were a lot of things done to make thing this thing work we made it happen we have our schedule laid out fighters have committed to it fighters have started training for these fights connor came back and wanted to fight dustin so we went out and got him his own date it's a january 23rd i think that basically what they're like this is the best move that they could make the risk of their fighters fighting outside of their promotion for charity, which is the original plan. Dustin Poirier was going to fight Conor McGregor on December 12th for charity. Right? This is like the smartest thing they can do. Just basically be like, look, man, this guy wasn't even around. We've got all these other people who want to fight. We're not just going to move them out of the way for him. He doesn't run things here. We do. We're not complete assholes, though. So we gave him a fight. But it's on our terms. Because this is the UFC. And we hold the money and the power and the influence. Not Conor McGregor. I mean, and the UFC doesn't want to relinquish that power because the minute that they start relinquishing power or the idea that they are the organization, it becomes harder for them to, 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 to I think, control fighters or control how they want to treat their fighters. I mean, even something as simple as, like, paying fighters more. This is something that the UFC will not budge on. It seems. The average UFC fighter gets paid 12000 to show, 24 if they win. That's if they fight. That doesn't account for them forfeiting their purse because they cut weight or couldn't cut the weight. That doesn't account for nobody wanting to see them fight that badly so they fight two times in a year and make $24,000. It, it pays no regard for the fact that they have to work full-time jobs and train and be ready all the time, at all times, all year, to fight for 12K. But the UFC holds the power in that relationship. And they're not going to let it go. They're not going to. It's bad business for them to do that. It's better for them 
to just keep people like keep basically treat fighters like they're side chicks and just call them when they need them last notice like like short notice it's better for them to do it that way and so this is uh i mean kind of off topic but it is um it is an example i think of like why they do what some of the things that they do they're trying to maintain a level of control and once they lose that control they're not going to get it back if they start if they pay if they pay henry cejudo because he doesn't want to fight for the amount of money that he's fighting for well then they got to pay john jones and then they got to pay um i don't know who else was asking for money dustin poirier you know what i mean they got to pay all these guys So, same thing here. If they start to just give Conor McGregor whatever he wants, whenever he wants it, well, then other fighters are going to get wise. And they're going to start to think, well, you know what? We can just just, just say that we're going to fight outside of the promotion. And then we'll just go fight for Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor will fight his start his own fight promotion. And everybody will just go fight there. That's the last thing that they want. So that's why I think that they've made the move that they did. That's why I think that they did this. In any case, we got a date for Conor McGregor's fight between, uh, uh, versus Dustin Poirier. And I love Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Um, Dustin Poirier, I call him the classic. Because every one of his fights is just a classic. If you want to check out my YouTube video on uh, Dustin Poirier, just go to my channel. Or I, I can even put a link in the description and you can check it out. I love the guy. Every single fight he has is, is, is goddamn incredibly entertaining. If you want a, fi a fan-friendly fighter, Dustin Poirier is the person for you. Him... Justin Gaethje, these these are guys who don't have boring fights. They they don't they just don't have them. The fight is never boring ever, and it always looks great. Makes me want to watch a fight right now. I want to watch a Dustin Poirier fight right now. I might just watch him go fight Dan Hooker right now. Anyways, man. So. Apparently, Habib said that he would not do the Ultimate Fighter, uh, the uh, the Ultimate Fighter with Conor McGregor as a coach, for even five billion dollars. This is something that I heard said by DC in a press conference. And I think that that makes sense. If anybody remembers the press conferences with Conor McGregor and Habib, they were very dark. I mean, you got to understand, like, Conor McGregor was trying to do all kinds of awful things. He was talking about, he was mocking Habib's religion, which is like the most important thing to him. 
he was he was attacking a, a Habib's manager and basically calling him a terrorist, a threat to national security. He was calling him a rat, a glass jaw rat. Um, he was late to the press conferences. Conor McGregor made Habib's or was trying to make Habib's psychological life a living hell. And it didn't work on Habib, but I can tell that it annoyed the hell out of him. And I know that Habib doesn't want to deal with that. Habib doesn't have time for that. I don't even think Habib is, I don't even think Habib cares about the, the fame that he's amassed. I really believe that he just praises his God trains with his brothers and fights and that that's those are the most important things to him and giving back to his community in the way that his father did i really think that that's what he cares about he doesn't want to go on a tv show with conor mcgregor and eat religious insults for 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 eight to 12 weeks that's not what he wants right so i think it makes sense that he's not he's not uh, gung-ho to do it would I want to see him do it? I mean, honestly, I'd like to see how Habib coaches. I would love to see that. But I also don't want to subject him to that kind of treatment, to be honest with you. <laughs> I like Conor McGregor, but I honestly did feel sort of bad for Habib like when this was going on. Just because I could feel like it wasn't, it wasn't, man, they really don't like each other. Like it's. Like, I felt like Connor like, just hated Habib. You could feel it. Just, it sears your soul. The dislike. And, uh, I don't know, man. There's just a level of, of like, animosity to it where it's like, I almost don't even want to see it. <laughs> I almost don't even want to see it, man. Speaking of Habib and his manager, though, Ali Abdelaziz tweeted at Tony Ferguson uh, and said, "Champ, said you said, Champ, you said I owe you two hundred k. Here we go, fight. Ma oh God, what's his name? Uh, Maka or Maha Chev." Oh my God, Mahach, some guy who trains with Habib, and you get your you get your money. It's your move. Real talk. Uh, and Tony Ferguson replied with, "Um, fuck your bribe, low life. Tell your client on Instagram, Habib, <laughs> since you run his Twitter account. Hashtag he owes me two hundred k and twenty push-ups." America, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, quote, end quote. I think that Tony Ferguson feels very, very slanted, like about about life and everything that's gone on recently. Okay, can we just say that he was supposed to fight Habib? What was it? Five times. Five. Five times. And each time it went and didn't go down. 
okay? He's supposed to fight Habib the fifth time, right? And he's got to fight against somebody for an interim belt, for his interim belt. He takes the fight, confident that he can defend it. Gets broken, like as a human being, psychologically and physically broken, okay? By Justin the Haile Gaethje. Loses the opportunity to fight for the belt, which is arguably what everyone has been fighting for. The belt. And now he's got the manager of the guy he was supposed to fight handing him some no-name that people really don't care about. That's got to sting. That's got to sting. Not only that, the championship fight that he was supposed to be in is happening in 10 days. <laughs> That's got to sting. I feel bad for the man. I feel bad for him, bro. I feel bad for him. Because he never got there. He never got the fight. He, 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 he was supposed to have this fight. So many times. And it fell through every time. And then he loses his opportunity to even have the fight. And then the... <laughs> and then this other guy who literally broke him. Is taking his opportunity in front of his face, bro. That That is like... That man, you can't even write that. That you gotta understand that this sequence of events in sports history will be one of those things that's on a fun fact list. Fun fact: Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight Habib Nurmagomedov this many times and never got an opportunity to. He had the interim belt and lost it to Justin Gaethje, who then fought Habib some months later. Talk about bad luck. That's a Watch Mojo video right there. I'm telling you. It's like, you can't write this, man. You can't write it. Oh my God, I feel bad for him. Anyways, broski. That's that, that's it for the show today. We're just talking about. Let me know what you want me to talk about on this thing. If you if you have suggestions, just let me know. Right? I'll I'll try to work it in. And if not, then just keep watching it. I don't know. If you've made <laughs> if you've made it to this point, then thank you. I'm glad that you enjoy listening to my voice. Um. If, if you like the video, give it a like. If you got something you want to say to me, then throw a comment down there. Otherwise, man, just enjoy just enjoy life. And uh, anybody who wants to listen on the listen on the podcasting apps, you can do that. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts. This podcast is available there. So there is that as well. Anyways... That's it for me. Thank you guys. Combat Addict out.